0: Few weeks Covey covered some lessons, and Laura and I were upstairs um, with the uh, teen class, and we had a a good time up there. Last week I wasn't able to make it because of sickness, but I'm glad to be able to be back with the adults. And uh, I'm not sure how many lessons we're gonna do in this series that I have, Uh, but tonight we're gonna look at God's plan uh, for the world. it took me six hours again after I've already studied answered the questions and everything just today to go over it so we have 45 minutes before we're supposed to be done probably not going to be able to cover this the way I would like to and as in depth as it could be uh, next week we'll be looking at not uh, we're going to be looking at God's plan for us so we're going to look at the world kind of mankind in general and uh, kind of lay some some ground uh, um, work for our, our lesson. Uh, a lot of questions to answered. Some of them are simple. If you look up there, <clears throat> we have our theme, and then uh, text scriptures there. Um, all those different verses or verses we're gonna go to, and we're gonna look at a few uh, scriptures in, in each of those. And then there's a lot of other verses that we're gonna look at, too. So hopefully we can cover that. But um, <clears throat> there's also an outline when you go down through the little bit of material here that uh, Hoff, uh gives us, uh, he kind of has a, a little basic uh, outline, and he talks, says we're going to talk about the creation of man, creation of the world, and whatnot. Then look at redemption uh, promised, again, by the prophets, and we can't get into all the prophets of the Old Testament and the teachings there, but we're going to mention a few. Then we're going to look at the coming of the kingdom and the church, uh, then we're going to look at the uh, supreme um, gift of love. And then we're going to talk a few minutes about uh, our eternal home. So question number one is, is what is our subject? Dehoff lays this out. He says, how the goodness of God towards man and his desire to bestow every blessing upon them has been manifested from creation to the ministry of Jesus Christ to the very end whenever we would go to our eternal home in heaven. So a basic answer there for what is this subject about would be uh, the goodness of man or the goodness of God to man. And again, it would flow through all Bible history from the creation through all the prophets to Christ's ministry and life, and then eventually to the end, whenever that would be. <clears throat> Question number two: What is the date of creation? 000. One. <laughs> One zero 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 zero. We are at two thousand twenty-two AD, right? So, when was creation? Can't hear you. 1 BC would be 1 BC, then 0, and then we would hit AD. We would hit 1 AD. You know what I'm saying? Well, we have 2,022 years from 0 to where we are now. And then they say take 2,000 years from Christ to Abraham. But we know when you look at the Genesis record, uh, they say there's around 400 years, give or take uh, a a few years here or there, if there's any gaps in the genealogies, back to the flood. So that would be 4,000, just say 500 uh, years. Then from the flood back to creation, how far is that period of time? That's where this sheet comes in. I thought it was interesting. I don't want to believe everything that he says, but he brings up some interesting things. If you grab that sheet, um, studying and uh, going back and looking at my college material and everything, um, George Fall taught that from creation, when God created uh, the world there in Genesis 1:1 in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth from that time when he started creating uh, to the flood uh, was around um, 1600 years. again give or take a few years. so if you take that 16 you take say 2,400 years to zero what do you got? Four thousand plus two now. So young Earth people like me, I'm a young earth, earth person. I believe the Earth is young. I believe the genealogies and everything are right. Um, some people go and say they, Adam couldn't live 930 years. Methuselah couldn't have lived uh, 900 and what is it, 69 years? And you know these lengths are too long. Well, time was different before the flood. And uh, again, I believe that's how long those people lived back then. And then from that point, we see the ages of men going down to where we have it today. Again, if we live good lives and don't damage our bodies and, and whatnot. Okay, so Mike uh, Jensen here in this um, article that he writes, there's, there's some good things that he says here and everything. If you start there in that first paragraph, uh, he said the debate is heated even within the Christian community with biblical literists ascribing to the viewpoint that the Bible is to be interpreted literally except for certain poetic passages or um, the apocalyptic passages and everything like in the book of Revelation. And those who hold such a viewpoint interpret the creation account in Genesis as taking place over six literal 24-hour days. I believe that the days of creation were literal days like we have today, 24-hour days. And again, you you can go in this study and see where he uses yom and and so forth, and you could study that and the stroms and everything, the original Hebrew word that's used. It always has an evening and a morning It says the first day, the second day, the third day, and then the seventh day was when God rested. Those things are also used, as Moses is writing in the Pentateuch, to go and say, you know, we ought to work six days. And then the seventh day is the Sabbath. We ought to rest and worship God and whatnot. Okay, now we know the Sabbath isn't for us today. Uh, We have the first day of the week. But when you study those things out and realize there are some that teach that between Genesis 1 and Genesis 1 um, Genesis 1 and Genesis 1 2, there's a big, huge gap of time, possibly millions of years. There are others that use a, a day gap theory and they say, well, the days back then were different. So that's how they can go and concoct and stretch how, out however much time they want to be able to say, oh, okay, when you add this all up, that's why the the world, uh, for us to be able to get it to match the uh, uh, geological uh, stratas and and so forth that are out there in the mountains or whatever to get 4.5 million years and also to be able to get human life and everything, they try to make these big gaps and everything. But we believe that the days are 24-hour days. So if you use that and you use the genealogies that are there in Genesis, in Exodus, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, and you can read that material in this handout, that's where we get our genealogies. Okay? Now, could there be a little slip here or there or whatever? I guess there could. I always would say that um, the earth is probably around 7,000 years old, but it's really closer to six. And um, even when a man went to the moon, remember the, the, uh, the little, whatever it was, rocket thing that eventually went and landed on the moon? Remember the big, long legs that were on it? What was it called? The eagle? The eagle one or whatever it was. Remember the big, long legs it had on it? Why did that capsule, whenever it landed on the moon, have them big, long legs? They thought there was gonna be all this dust and all this dirt and it was gonna be deep because of billions of years. So they had these big pads and everything so when they landed, hopefully, they'd be able to get out and be able to move around. When they landed, what happened? (laughs) There wasn't hardly anything. Again, proving even on the moon uh, that We have a young earth, and again, there are a lot of studies that you can do, and people go and use carbon dating and all kinds of all different things to be able to prove things, and there's no way that we have time to to get into all those things. But a man named Lightfoot in the 17th century and another man named uh, Usher have the the same view that we have. 24-hour days in creation, they took the genealogies of the Bible, and when did they say creation took place? 4,004 B.C. That's pretty close from what I was telling you from what I learned even in school. And in the King James Bibles and study Bibles from a long time, it was always kind of established. You'd hear about ushers says the world, according to the Bible, was this old. And that's pretty much what I believe unless somebody would prove it wrong. Lightfoot had a little difference in the date, but they agreed, and we have the Lightfoot-Usher agreement there of around 4,004 B.C. was when God created the earth. Now again, if we're wrong, does it hurt anything? (laughs) But again, God, the ultimate thing that we want to see is, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So... God loved man. He wanted to do good for man. So he created this earth. On those six days of creation, if you go down through Genesis chapter one, he creates um, light and darkness. He separates the water that's above from the water below and creates heaven and puts all the water that's on the earth into one sea. And uh, then that would have meant there would have been the, the, what is it called? The where all the uh, continents are one, Plangea, is that what it's called, or something like that, Uh, where all the continents were one, but then eventually they broke up maybe through the flood or through Peleg's time there in in early Genesis. Talks about there was the great earthquake and things divided right after the tire of Babel. Babel. And uh, we see that's where People would have been separated then and separated on different continents, had different languages, maybe certain characteristics about themselves. They were yellowish or they were red or they had slanty eyes or they had darker melatonin in their skin to have brown skin or pinker like us, white guys and gals. Okay. And uh, things would have been spread. But God created things. And uh, every time he created something, he said, it's good on an evening and a day. If you go there into Genesis, I'm going to throw that aside. You can read that and uh, take a look at that if you're interested in that stuff. So again, question number two, the Bible doesn't give us a time, but if you add things up, I would say anywhere from 6,000 to probably no more than 10,000 years uh, old as the earth and man and the animals and all those type of things. And I'm throwing in 4,000, 3,500 years there uh, to just cover the bases. But um, in Genesis 1, again, we see all these different things created We come down there later in verse 26, and it talks about uh, God said, let us make man in our image, and he creates them, and uh, man, and uh, he puts him over all the fish of the sea and the birds and gave him authority over everything. And um, then verse 27 says, God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them, and then God blessed them told him to be fruitful and to multiply and subdue the earth and to rule over the fish and the sea and over the birds and the sky and every living thing and so on. And he gave him uh, fruit and vegetables and so forth to be able to eat. And he comes down there to uh, verse 31, and God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So Genesis 1 covers the beginning of creation there, of day one, through the sixth day. 24-hour days like we have. So Sunday morning through through Saturday, right? And then Saturday was the day that they rested, the Sabbath day. Okay, so... He created this place, and then God loved us so much in His goodness, He also gave man a place to be able to live. Uh, After He had created him, He just didn't say, Oh, here's the earth, go do whatever you want to do, run around, and whatever. But we see that God created them a place. If you start there in chapter 2, in verse 8, it says, The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God caused, every, or caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is Pashan. It flows around the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. The gold of that land is good. The Delam and the Onyx Stone are there. Uh, the name of the second river is Gihom. It flows around the whole land of Kush. The name of the third river is the Tigris. It flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. So we see God created a garden. He loved them. He placed them in this garden. There was water there for them. There were all the trees and everything that they needed. There was the tree of life there and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And if you read further there, God says, you can eat of everything there, even the tree of life which maybe they did and maybe that's why they lived so long because whatever was in it, it was still wearing off on them and their uh, generations that went after them. But they weren't allowed to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and that's what happened there in Genesis 3 where Satan was able to get them to do that. But it says, where is the Garden of Eden located? If you would look over where Babylon is at now, uh, over in the area of Iraq, coming down towards the Persian Gulf, that is where uh, the Euphrates and the Tigris and everything flows. So if it started up there with this um, Pishon and Havilon, and then they came down and somehow met up there with the Tigris and the Euphrates, somewhere in that area over there, is the in the Middle East, that would have been where the Garden of Eden is. So... Again, most scholars and everything believe that. Any comments or questions there on one, two, or three or questions? Okay, it says, name some proofs of the existence of God. Okay. Anybody name anything that they can think of? Thinking about the Genesis account here in Genesis one and two. We exist. What's that? We exist. we exist. Okay. How did we get here? Okay. Did we evolve from some ape or something that's lower than us? I don't believe that. I believe man and um, primitive man back then. They want to say, "Oh, he was primitive and walked around." Ooh, ooh, oh, oh. You know, and beat rocks or whatever. I think they were brilliant. When God brought all the animals to Adam, what did he do? He named every one of the animals. Could you imagine him naming every bird, every insect, every uh, mammal that walked on the earth? Maybe all the fish, some of the great monsters of the sea. He had to be very smart and in. Have intelligence to be able to do those things, and remember the book of Genesis is a book of beginnings. You know, when you look at their descendants and everything, they started making instruments and flutes and music, and they were worked with metal and uh, build homes, and were able to uh, dig up their ground and plant crops and harvest them, and so on and so forth. Um, all those type of things happened. There was hunters. Went out and hunted animals and game and everything after the the flood. You know, so Genesis, again, is a book of beginnings. And again, where would man have, uh, where would this earth and this universe have come from? Okay, the universe itself tells us that there was a universe maker. The world and all of animal, animal life and mankind tell us that there's a designer and a maker If we have a watch, what does that tell us about the watch? There's a watchmaker. Somebody had to make that precise instrument, right? If we see a house, did it just grow that way? Well, show me where they grow. I'd like one, right? A lot of other people would. No, there's a housemaker because somebody drew out plans, figured it out, and made that that house, Well, look at the mathematical precision and the way that our universe functions and all the planets go around the sun, how the moon goes around the earth in a a day, how it controls the tides and how we have rain and how we have spring. Just a a month or so ago, I was looking out there and seeing bare trees. Now they're completely green and, and growing. When you come in the building, look at all the beautiful flowers and things that uh, Sean or uh, Eric's been planting out there and getting getting going. How do those things happen and what happens? We're going to go through the summer and people are going to plant their gardens. They're going to grow and the fruit trees are going to grow. And people are going to pick their blackberries and uh, their raspberries and whatnot. And they're going to plant their corn and wheat and And then those things, there's gonna be the harvest time, and then what happens? Everything dies. And then we have the fall time, and we have the winter, and then it starts over again. And it happens every year. How how would that happen and just take place? Because God's in control, and he's causing those things to happen. His hand of providence, his laws of nature that govern the universe and to govern this world, Uh, just like gravity and so on and so forth. They can keep all these things operating and functioning the way they are. So just by looking out at nature, we can say there has to be a designer, a planner. These things couldn't have just happened. We couldn't just evolve, like Brianna said. Somebody had to make us. I can cut myself, and in a week or so, I'll heal. I can get sick, and maybe it takes me a little longer to get better, but in 10 days or so, I'm going to get better Poor Lars over at the house right now with 101 fever and coughing stuff up and sick, and I gave her my um, TBT or uh, creepy crud. You know, but hopefully it'll cover, you know, her body will be able to heal itself and she'll be able to get better and jump back on the bike and start doing things again. You know, God made us this way. We have, we're able to talk, communicate, see, hear, All of those things, uh, how they're made, and when you study each element, if it's an eye or the inner ear, or the way our digestive system works, or the way procreation works, all these things tell us there's a designer and a planner. They couldn't have just happened. And all of those things show us how great God is. Would someone like to read Psalms 19, verse 1? Psalms 19, verse 1. got a bunch of verses here. Okay, Psalms 19, 1. How about Romans 1 um, 20? Okay, Romans 1, 20, and we're gonna, I'm gonna give you a couple more verses right before that to read. I want you to start actually where it says, for the wrath of God. Uh, it's maybe up a verse or two above 20, maybe 18. Can you see that where it says? Yes. Okay, start there. And how about Colossians 1, 15 through 17? Okay, Sean, Colossians 1, 15 through 17. Let's see these verses here, again, that talk about the existence of God, that God made these things, and, and so on and so forth. Okay, if you can speak loud, I don't know if my, my mic will, will pick you up. I'll, I guess I can't really hand this to them, huh? because it's hooked to me. Okay, go ahead, Dwayne. Okay, so the heavens proclaim the glories of God. God made these things. Okay, I'm not sure what the next verse was. <laughs> okay, Romans 1, 18. Uh, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and righteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the, creation of the world, his since the creation of the world, God's made these things evident. Go ahead. Uh, f- for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Okay. Men are going to be without an excuse because he created these things in his power. And his wrath going to come upon, upon men. Uh, next one. Okay. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And who is that one? Jesus, right? That's Jesus. Okay, But him, he's God. Second part of the Godhead. Verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things exist, consist. Okay, again, it says God, Jesus, part of the Godhead, uh, Elohim, plural, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He created these things, created them for himself. And uh, yes, he takes preeminence in all these things, but he created all these things, whether it's visible, invisible, um, doesn't matter. All things have been created uh, by God. So we have the biblical proof, clear biblical passages that tell us God exists. He made all these things. And we can clearly look at nature and what uh, it's all about and be able to see proofs of the existence of God. Any other comments there on question four? Yes. Yes. Yeah, by him all things are held together. So, okay. Right, and we, we would call that like the providence of God. God through his providence is holding all these things in nature. If he would take his hands off of them or turn away, what would happen? The moon would probably come and crash into the earth. We may spin off and go and hit some other planet. They want to go to Mars so bad maybe uh, Mars would hit us or we'd hit them <laughs> or whatever. You know. So he's controlling these things. He's holding it together. And as Ron said, you know, even science, when they look at this, there's this principle out there in the universe and in the galaxies and whatnot. Something's holding all this together. We know who's holding it. Jesus is holding it together. And again, isn't that in the goodness of God? God created us. He's, and however long He gives us on this planet and this earth, He's good towards us. He gave us this earth. He provided for Adam and Eve, gave them this Garden of Eden, and gave them water and food, gave them instructions. Okay? He's a wonderful and a great God. He has a plan for man and pl- mankind and for the world. Okay, how about question number five? Name some characteristics with which man was created. Uh, you don't have to have scripture or anything. Can you just name some things that we have? Characteristics of... The image of God we are created. In the image of God. Okay, if you want to write that down, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, in the image of God. And Christ is the exact representation or, uh, of God. Okay, according to Hebrews 1. Uh, I believe it's... Um, Verse 2 and 3 in that talk about that. So we're made in the image of God. Christ is made in the exact image of God the Father. Okay. So we're made in their image. And if we're made in their image, then, again, we have our physical bodies. But we also have a soul and a spirit, right? Okay. We know God is spirit. We know Christ took on flesh. He was the, the word that became flesh. Um, for mankind to be able to teach us who God is, uh, showing us his great powers and everything. And he was able to do that by raising people from the dead and performing miracles and walking on water and controlling storms and um, magnificent things that he did. What about man being given the freedom of choice? God gave us the freedom to choose if we want to follow him or if we don't want to follow him. What's God want us to do? He wants us to follow Him and follow His righteousness and His plan for us. But we know a lot of men do what they want to do. They're rebellious. They're against God. Run. Right. He never made an evil man become moral. An evil man become moral. Right, and he could have. He could. No, he. he but I mean. He has the power that he could have changed men and reprogrammed them or changed their uh, computer chip or whatever. But in the righteousness and the justness of God, is Ron saying he couldn't do that? Yeah, it's our choice. Do we want to follow God and his plan? Do we want to believe in him? Well, just like uh, Lindsay just read, wrath of God's going to come on you if you don't want to believe it, if you can't see it. You know, so that ought to motivate us even more to live righteous, good lives and to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified and tell people the good news of the gospel so they can be saved. Lindsay. Right. So I think it's important to know that because a lot of people are like, well, if you're predestined to be in heaven, then it doesn't matter what you do, you're just going to be there. And so, mm-hmm. I don't know. Right, well, that's Calvinism. But has God predestined and said, Fred's going to be in heaven or Dave or Ron or Tony? What has he done? He's predestined a man in his son, didn't he? And he said, here's my son, Jesus. Believe in him. Be obedient to him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to be a part of the called and a part of those ones that are going to be saved, then you're going to have to be, believe in my son and follow his will and plan and purpose for you uh, in the scriptures. Make sense? Okay. So, again, we're made in the image of God. We have the freedom of choice. We're able to think. We're able to love. We're able to act and you know, move and do things. We are able to talk and to reason, as we are now. We're able to talk in prayer with God and to be able to communicate with Him. Uh, Man was given a conscience, and that conscience can be trained. It can be evil, wicked, defiled, seared, but it can be good. And we want to have good consciences that do what? Urge us to do what is right and to follow God and to follow Jesus. And again, we could keep going on with characteristics uh, that God has given man. Question six. What was said of all the things that God created? I read it for you there. Genesis 1.31. It was, good. it was good. He said it was very good, right? When did he say it was very good? When he made woman. He said everything was good. But he said it was very good when he made a helpmate for, for Adam. So think about that. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.24, I'm going to flip over there and read that. <clears throat> We're running out of time. I hate that clock. Deuteronomy 6.24 says, So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good, uh, for our good always and for our survival As it is today. So, God wants us to follow His statutes, His commandments, His instructions. Why? For our good. So that we can survive and and do the things that He wants us to do. And ultimately, for us now, here in 2022, so that we can make it to that eternal home and make it to heaven. Um, You know, God has done all things for our good. And this is seen in God, again, placing man in the Garden of Eden, creating him a wife, placing all things under his subjection, all the animals and so forth, and providing him food and water and all the basic necessities of life that man needed. Now we're going to jump and go into the redemption promised. And uh, I'm going to give you a, a couple verses. But Isaiah, the prophet what what do people call Isaiah? Messianic the messianic prophet. Good, you must have got my notes off Jan earlier. <laughs> He's the messianic prophet. Why is he the messianic prophet? But, yeah, you look at the what he prophesied about. He said so much about Jesus and the suffering servant, and gives minute details and so forth of, of him dying on the cross and. Just so many prophecies. And again, yes, some of those prophecies are dual prophecies, talking about them going into captivity in Babylon and coming back and being restored in the land. But when you really read some of that language, let's, let's look at a few of those. Notice over in Isaiah 35, 4 through 10, you can see that he's talking about Jesus. And he's talking about um, the future kingdom. In uh, Christ coming, um, Isaiah 35, uh, I'm going to start there in verse 4. It says, say to those who with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he'll save you. See, God's recompense, God's wrath is going to come, right, Lindsay? It's going to come, but if we do what's right, it's going to save us. Look here. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. When's that going to happen? Who did that? Read the next verse. And the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer. Okay, Jesus, the tongue of the mute will shout for joy for the waters will break forth in the wilderness and the streams and so forth. Jump down to verse eight. A highway will be there, a roadway, and it will be called the uh, highway of holiness. The unclean aren't going to travel on it. You see the unsaved and the unbelievers and the wicked, they're not going to be able to get on this road. Okay, this is the highway of holiness. These are those who have been sanctified, set apart by God through Christ. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way. And the fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there, nor any vicious beast go upon it. These will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord will return And come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads. They will find gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing will flee away. So again, this is going to happen for those who are coming back from Babylonian captivity. But this is also talking about Jesus, right? Go over to verse chapter uh, 42 of Isaiah. Uh, Isaiah 42, verse 5 down through verse 9 I'll read. It says here, again, you're going to look at, just go through the book of Isaiah and start looking at it. You'll see the future. You'll see the kingdom. You'll see the Messiah being talked about here. It starts there in verse five. Thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out. See, part of God's plan for mankind. He created the earth. He he stretched these things out. Who spread out the earth and its offspring. Who gives breath to the people on it. And spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. I, and I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness in the prison. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. Verse 10 talks about sing the Lord a new song. Sing his praise from the ends of the earth and so on. Okay, he's talking about, yeah, them coming back to the land, but he's also talking about Jesus coming, and the kingdom, and Jesus being able to do these things. We're going to see that here in a moment. So of what does Isaiah prophesy there in verse 8? He talks about the coming of the Messiah, Jesus and his kingdom, those couple verses that we looked at. And there's many more. Uh, The prophets spoke of these things. Others like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, talking about the day of the Lord and uh, so forth, even the minor prophets like Joel. um, They all spoke of these things, about these things being a part of God's plan for mankind. That yes, man was created, we're going to look next week, man sins, but God has a plan. And Jesus is part of that plan. His only begotten Son and Him coming into this earth. Question number nine how many times does Jesus refer to the kingdom in the Gospels? Does anybody have a wild guess? 80 times. Ron's got it. 80 different times he talks about the kingdom in the Gospels. And um, when Jesus came and after he got baptized, remember, and John was arrested, what, what did Jesus say? You know, he was out preaching. He was preaching about the kingdom and told him to repent. The kingdom is at hand. It's close. It's going to happen. That brings us down to question number uh, 10. From what did Christ want to set the people free from? From sin. Yes, from our sins. And let's go up here uh, back into the New Testament now and look at Mark 1, verse 14 and 15. And we're going to look at a uh, few verses here. Um, I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself. Mark 1 14 and 15 say, Now, after John had been taken into uh, custody, they had arrested him. Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. See, so here's one verse that talks about Jesus saying that uh, the kingdom's at hand. It's, it's going to start. And again, this is in God's goodness and his plan for my, mankind that he was going to uh, create the kingdom, create the church for people to be saved and to be added to. Just as he told Adam, or excuse me, Noah to build that ark and to save his family and the animals. He wanted the church to be built and people to be in the body of Christ, to be able to be saved, to make it to the eternal home. That's God's plan throughout the scriptures that he wants for us. Um, Notice over in Luke, the fourth chapter, Luke 4, verses 16 through 21. This is a uh, book that Jesus read in a, a synagogue. And he's reading right from the book of Isaiah. I believe it's Isaiah 61. And um, notice what he says here in Isaiah 4 16 through 21. It says, And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath, stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he opened the book and found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, those ones that are in a dungeon that we read about back there in Isaiah. Recovery of sight to the blind. We read about that. To set free those who are oppressed. Set us free that are oppressed. What do you mean? Spiritually thinking, how are we oppressed? By our sins. They're mastering us and controlling us. And what's He going to be able to do? He's going to be able to break those chains for us. Set us free from our sins when we believe in Him. And we won't be mastered and so forth by those things. Verse 19, and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. What's that favorable year? Yeah, well, if He physically heals you, that's great. But ultimately, that favorable year is going to be the time when we can pass muster at judgment and be able to go and walk on streets of gold and go to heaven, the new Jerusalem, the better country, a better city. Verse 20 says, And he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So we see some of the fulfillment of those things that we read about in Isaiah about the kingdom and Jesus in the four Gospels over 80 times talks about the significance and the importance of the kingdom. Now when Jesus came, who prepared the way for him? John the Baptist. Let's flip back over to Mark 1, verses 1 through 9. And uh, again, we are running out of time. I know we didn't get started till probably six or seven minutes after seven, but I don't want to hold us real long here. Mark 1, starting there in verse 1, we see it says, In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea was going out to him and all the people of Jerusalem and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and his diet was locusts and wild honey. That's my favorite. Mm. I love eating bugs crazy man. He was preaching and saying, after me, one is coming who is mightier than I, talking about Jesus, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. So, The Gospels teach us that John the Baptist was the forerunner. Isaiah prophesied about him being that person. And again, uh, important for us to to keep those things in mind. Question number 12, what was said of the the wise men after the flesh? Um, Christ had come again to, to set men free, but the poor people heard him gladly. They heard his message. Okay, and he said, uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, 26, that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. You know, the wise men that have the philosophies and ideas and so forth of the earth and everything, they're, they're in uh, stark contradiction to what the Bible teaches. So these people that think they're professors and educated and whatnot, and maybe even scientists and whatever, not many of those people were called and everything because why? They they're believing in their own intelligence and their own wisdom, uh, their own carnal thoughts instead of looking at what God teaches us and instructs us in the word. Now that brings us, again, that, that passage is 1 Corinthians 1 26. Now, verse question thirteen says, "What work did Jesus do as he grew up?" Carpenter. He was a carpenter, but when he was a carpenter, what else would would have been? What else would he have been involved in? Would he have just worked with wood? Okay, the carpentry back then would have also been some masonry work. Okay, so when Jesus worked with his father in the carpenter shop, it was also like a mason shop. They probably worked with wood and stone and other building materials whenever they were maybe building a house or involved in that. But we know that, that uh, there are places where they say a lot of times the little tables and that that they built and they would lay and recline at. They could have been making those type of uh, implements and so forth. Matthew 13:55 and Mark 6:33 are two passages that talk about, aren't you the carpenter's son or he's the carpenter's son? Okay, so we have scriptures that say that. And again, they take that Greek word and say that it's carpenter, but it's a little bit broader. He was probably involved in other building materials. But the main things that we think of is, is carpentry. Okay, when I did carpentry work, I used to say... Uh, I'm following Jesus' footsteps back then. <laughs> Framing houses and whatnot. Okay. Now, why would Jesus work there with the, the carpentry and be obedient to dad and do those type of things? Speak a little louder. Right. He was human and he was working and setting an example for us. But also... Why, you know, this is the Son of God. Why didn't he go in and tell Herod or somebody, hey, you need to have me as one of your scribes? I need to be the chief rabbi and teacher here at the temple. No. Yeah. Brianna? He came down here and made himself man so that he would live Yeah, and who? The wise men or. Well, yes, we established, you know, that he's going to come and work. But why did he do common work? Okay. He, he was a servant and he was working with the common men. He didn't go with the elites because what would have happened? Then He when he's with the elites and teaching those different people, what would happen? These people wouldn't come to him, the poor and maybe the unlearned. And Jesus came so that they could hear the message and they could hear the word. So Jesus was able to show a great example uh, by preaching to people who were uneducated and who didn't uh, understand. Matthew chapter 11, verse 5, again says this uh, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up. And the poor, the common people, have the gospel preached to them. You see, the poor, everyday people, okay, they, back then they had rich people, and for the most part you had people that were just like kind of middle class or lower, and that's what was there. And Jesus was there, and he wanted the scribes and Pharisees and, um, so forth to be able to listen to him and the Sadducees, but He wanted the common everyday people to hear him. And that's part of the plan of God and His goodness. That He came here to us to be able to teach and to preach. What is the extreme supreme example of love? Yes, God sending His only begotten Son to die for us on the cross while we were yet sinners. So John 3, um, verses um, 16, 17, 18, you can read those verses. And then also Romans 5, verse 8, talks about him uh, dying for us while we were yet sinners. And 2 Peter 3, 9 tells us that his patience, he's... He's being patient, wanting all men to repent and to accept His message and His teachings, giving them time to be able to work these things out. And ultimately, what has Christ told us, 15? He's showed us how to be saved and obtain the benefits of His death by obeying the gospel. And that takes us down to verse or question 16. When are we saved from our past sins? Okay, well, Mark 16, 16 tells us what? Those who believe and are baptized will be saved. So when we believe in Him and we're baptized, we'll be saved. Those are Jesus' words. Peter said there in Acts two thirty eight. he replied to him, asked, what do we need to do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 17, what is our eternal home or eternal reward? I told you. Heaven, our our eternal life. Matthew 25, uh, verse 46 is a verse. We're almost done. Please bear with me. Matthew um, 25, um, the last verse there in the chapter. 46 says, these will go away into eternal punishment. Those are the ones that didn't go and visit them or give them clothes or water or something to eat or see them in prison. Uh, They went away to eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Man, that's a great reward that we're going to have eternal life through Jesus and through what he's done for us. In Revelation 21, one through five, I'm going to read those verses for us in closing. Look at this beautiful, magnificent picture um, of what it says here about the new heaven and the new earth. And you keep reading there, and it talks about the new Jerusalem that we're going to be a part of. But I'm just going to read these first five verses. It says in Revelation 21, That I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven. And the first earth had passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming out of the heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his God, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain for the first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, "Right, for these words are faithful and true. And he tells about those who aren't going to be there and then he talks about this new Jerusalem again and the costly stones and the, the, the gates these 12 gates being like giant single pearls and streets of gold and just all of the, the wonderful things. And again, I know it's an apocalyptic book, but it's just showing us the magnificent and the splendor and the, the wonder and the beauty of our eternal home. Where a lot of these bad things are not going to be and bad people and the devil and his angels and that aren't going to be there. And it's going to be a blessed, wonderful place where we can spend eternity with God and with all the angels and celestial beings and all the saints that have gone on before us. So God has a plan for for the world. And he's a good God and he's provided all these things for us. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. We'll pick up from here next week with God has a plan for us. Let's pray. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you that we could be here and get into your word. I hope we did it justice in a quick time frame and uh, looking at some of these questions and some of these scriptures. And again, just help us to keep studying, to keep learning, to understand these things and to be excited about it and to go out into the world and to share the good news of Jesus and how they can be saved and go to that eternal home. Be with, again, all those on our prayer list, those who aren't with us tonight. Bring them back at the next point time. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Good night, everyone. Love you.